98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bigly Blast. With victory number 63, the Suns will become the greatest regular season team in franchise history. And for a franchise that goes back 54 years in a city where the NBA is our true first love, this is definitely a special occasion. That's because the 92-93 Suns set the bar really high. They galvanized an entire region. Charles Barkley led almost every newscast. They showed Arizona the unifying power of a great sports team. The 0405 Suns hit the NBA like a hurricane. Their seven seconds or less approach started a revolution in the NBA and all the wide open offense and three shooting that you see in today's game that all came from those Phoenix Suns and that's why it's a big deal that the 21-22 Suns are going to leapfrog both of them they are a team full of fan favorites they have become a gold mine for the merch merchants they have created a loud proud diverse fan base that will be a big part of the upcoming playoff story so savor this achievement because after this record falls there is only one thing left the rent relentless pursuit of a championship trophy and that will be fraught with pressure and expectations because if the Suns do not win a title when they are this good when they are this much better than the competition they will also earn a tag nobody wants the most disappointing team in franchise history All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable with two great locations and one great experience. Check them out online at ChapmanBMW.com. And off we go today on the second half of the show. Tim Ring filling in for Vinny. What what are your thoughts on the importance of becoming the best regular season team in Suns history? Well, I I think it speaks speaks to something. And... How they finish the season, Bick, in terms of winning a championship? Listen, you can you can you can look at a regular season in isolation and say, okay, you know they've they've won the most games. They're the best regular season team. It's interesting. I did the post game show on Sunday. I filled in for Bloomer, and that was part of the conversation with the callers coming in after after the game. And most of the callers were convinced that they're without without a doubt, this is the best regular season. Suns team in history. Uh, they're going to have the wins and the record to prove it, but also just their quality of play and the way they defend and the way they score. This is the best. And then one caller was adamant that the 93 team was better. And he was almost angry. Really? Uh, yeah. And he, and he just felt that the competition in the NBA that the 93 team faced was just much stiffer. And that was his opinion. Uh, we, can, we, we can probably do a whole show on that mm-hmm. alone uh, conversation. But what I said was... Even though you can look at the regular season in isolation, I said, listen, if this team goes on to win the title, there is no way then you cannot look back at the regular season and say this is the greatest regular season Suns team of all time. Right. If they win the title, you go back, and then obviously that ultimately changes your ultimate perception of the team in the regular season. They will have the win total and the ring to prove it. Make no mistake, this is the best regular season Suns team of all time. I think what stands out to me, listen, it is nice to have that. And I think after what this community and what this franchise and what this fan base went through Mm -hmm. for 10 long years, Mm -hmm. when it was so bleak, so poorly run, 
so mismanaged when they were not only non-competitive, I mean, they were almost an embarrassment. Mm -hmm. And not only losing a lot of games, but then drafting poorly in the following summer. I mean, it looked like they were never going to get out of this hole. Oh, it really did. So for this to happen, not only to happen big, but to happen so fast. I mean, they went from the outhouse to the penthouse in about a year. I mean, usually usually you take the stairs in the NBA, not the elevator. Right. And this team took the elevator. And and that's what's been so magical about it. And it is it's such a and I've said it a few times here. Uh, th- it is such a joy to watch this team each and every night. I mean, every Suns game night is like a celebration. Oh yeah, because this team never gives up. They they fight tooth and nail. They approach every regular season game as if it's Game Six of the Western Conference Finals. I've compared it again. You know, we talked about coming from Chicago. I when when, when I was growing up, when man, when Michael Jordan played, it was appointment viewing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care where you were, what you were doing. When the Bulls were on, it could be a Tuesday in January, and they were playing the New Jersey Nets. But you found a TV, and I equate that to this Suns team. When they were on TV, or you had an opportunity to go to the game, you wanted to watch this team yeah, play because right. they deserved your respect. They deserved your attention. And you you want and it, and there was joy in watching them play the game and compete. Yeah, that's what they become, and they're a basketball team that is full of fan favorites, and they're a basketball team that I that I think it, it, I hope that they're immune to what is coming. Now, there's a big difference between pressure and expectations. People always talk about how much pre- who feels the most pressure, what team has the most pressure on them. Pressure to me is a function of expectations. It's if you're going into the playoffs and nobody expects you to win a round, you don't feel any pressure. If people expect you to win a championship, now there's pressure because you know you know you're letting people down if you don't get it done. Now, maybe maybe the circumstances might be different, but it really feels like this team is either boom or bust because when you distance yourself from everybody else in the NBA with what you've done, it raises those expectations. Now, maybe those expectations are tied to the fact that the Suns never take a night off. And if the Suns never, if the Suns operated like most other every other NBA team, maybe their win total wouldn't look so great. I mean, they'd still be near the top. Especially teams that are coming off either a, a finals win or a finals berth. Yeah. The next year, when you start the season, you're like, we have to go through six months of games mm-hmm. now just to get back to where we were. It's really hard to focus. And the fact that they have completely just been able to, you know. You know what's funny is, Jared, they actually did start the season like that. I know, one, <laughs> one in three, though. And, and, and what's funny is if they didn't, they may have won 70. Well, think about I know that. I know think about that. <laughs> if they right, it's that's true. How, that's the, how good this team is. The one and three start. If they have been totally in sync and focused from the beginning, <laughs> right. you take away two or three of those losses, like you said. Yeah, wow. I, I said earlier in the week that it, it it was my experience that the teams that I've deeply cared about in my life they went on a stretch where if they made the championship round, they cashed the ticket. Those Jordan Bulls when they got to the NBA Finals. Cash the ticket six for six. The 85 Bears cash the ticket. The 01 Diamondbacks cash the ticket. So I always thought, okay, great. Then we got to the Cardinals losing the Super Bowl that I didn't feel bad about. I thought, wow, what an incredible ride. And I was surprised at the lack of regret that I felt. There was disappointment, of course, but it wasn't the searing pain that you generally get when your team 
loses a playoff series. When the Suns last year lost to the Bucks, same thing. I'm like, I don't feel as bad as I thought because this was one hell of a ride. Right. And but what, will this year be different? What are the What are the Cardinals and the Suns those two years have in common? A completely unexpected, unexpected, out of nowhere, almost mm-hmm. looking at the past several seasons. Yep the the only this addendum, would not be yeah unexpected. the only addendum I'll give to that is the two nothing series lead yes. in the finals. Bick, that's how that, I know. That's that, that, I know. That, that, well, that's the one. That's well, the, the same one thing with the Cardinals. A little, the, a little, yeah, a little the lead late in the game in, in the right, Super Bowl. A too. little hint of searing. I'm with you, but I, th- but this year, the, the, no, this, this year it's searing because let's it will it would be searing because mm-hmm. let's. Let's look at what not winning a championship would look like. It will look like either not getting out of the Western Conference, which would mean either... All the Lord, experts were right. Lord, yeah, Lord forbid losing oh. in the first or second oh. round. Uh-huh. Or, yeah. or getting to the conference finals, and we don't know how that would look, but losing, losing to, to the Warriors or, or something. Or the Warriors yeah, right. or the Grizzlies, where yeah. you're like, oh, Oh God! Yeah. How did that this, happened. Yeah, or the heartbreak of losing to Giannis again, or a team like the Sixers. Yeah, or having to go up against a red hot because presumably they would be if they're there. A guy like Dur- a team with the Nets, by yeah. Durant and and Irving and uh, those two blistering yep. shooters in the finals. Or so no matter yeah. no matter how it looks. It's it's gonna it's gonna be serious and it's gonna hurt. All right, a leadership problem at quarterback. One former Cardinals wide receiver does not think so. We'll tell you about that next. Dan Bickley, Tim Ring filling in for Vinny. You're listening to Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Dan Bickley, it's Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. I mean, he's, he's everything you want, you know, in a quarterback. Uh, I think, number one, you know, he's an ultimate competitor. Uh, you can just see it in his approach and, you know, the, his demeanor. Uh, every time we take the field on Sunday that, you know, he's, he's there to win. Uh, and he wants to compete at the highest level and, and, you know, be able to take his game and his team uh, to that point. And so, you know, he has a relationship with, you know, all the guys, you know, on the offensive front. And, uh, you know, he, he never backs down from, you know, competition. So, I think that's the most important part, you know, when you, when you talk about having a, a franchise quarterback. That the voice of former Cardinal wide receiver Christian Kirk, now a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars after spending four years in Arizona, the last three with Kyler Murray. Christian Kirk cashed in with a huge deal with the Jaguars and spent some time on the Rich Eisen podcast yesterday defending Kyler Murray. Basically saying all the stuff about leadership deficiencies, not happening. Interesting to hear him defend him that voraciously. Christian Kirk might might be might be in a really good mood given given the money he signed for eighty four million bucks for four yep. years, um, and is looking to spread the love to former teammates, or or maybe maybe the leadership issue isn't always what we think it is. Boy, I don't know, Bick. I, you know, it's it's tough. It it, it really is. I I want to I want to see it. I want to see it on the field. Words, interviews, mm-hmm. players. Amen. Man, I, I I've been doing this a long time, and I'm not saying Christian Kirk is not being genuine, and I'm not saying he's not being truthful, but I don't always put a lot of stock 
into what athletes and coaches, for that matter, say to the media. In the offseason especially. In the offseason. Yeah. You know, they, they have a tendency to try to not make news. And but he's not, not, uh, he's not on the Cardinals anymore. So it's not like he feels like he has this. You I know. think I think Tim's, no, but, but, I think is Tim's right more more often than he's wrong about this subject. But these guys are savvy, Jared. If Christian Kirk goes on the Rich Eisen podcast, even as a member of the Jaguars, and he says Kyler Murray has leadership issues, that headline blows oh, yeah. up in his major major. Headlines. Right. Yeah, he doesn't need that aggravation. And then he no. he's got aggravation. Kyler Murray's got aggravation. Cliff Kingsbury's got aggravation. Steve Kimes got aggravation. Yeah. You know, these guys again. These guys. These guys are savvy in that regard. Mm-hmm. They they know that a simple like and there's no there's no oh I'm going to say it on a podcast nobody's ever going to hear it certainly not a Rich Eisen podcast yeah. or even Nobody a, thinks that I mean anymore. if you said it on, if you said it on the Jared Carlin podcast mm. it would get out. You know, so I just, I just, I I just, and I call, I just, I, again, I, I, I just caution people to, you know, maybe sometimes look deeper. And I also caution people to also look at everything. So when Christian Kirk's mom, who isn't savvy, Let's one rip on Kyler Murray on social media. I Sometimes, that was yeah, that, no, that was that. See, you probably you probably missed that. The, we all thought that that was the case. That was oh. not Kristen Kirk's mom. That was a burner account, right? Oh, is that it what was? it was? It was just a. But but here, here's 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 what here's what why what you're saying is absolutely correct. Players always side with other players over money. Christian Kirk knows he got paid. Christian Kirk knows. Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime got paid. He knows Kyler Murray did not. And so he is going to, out of a sense of obligation, go down that path as well. The the aggravation thing that Tim referenced, that's also part of it. But I also think there is that. Now, do we have the Kelvin Beecham quote from about a week ago? Because he also addressed Kyler Murray's leadership, but it was a little more, it was a little more measured. It was a little more balanced. Yeah, so there's... Uh, there's a uh, how about what Kyler Murray needs to do to grow as a leader? What do you think of that one? I think that might be it. I really think it's just being able to understand who your teammates are, and I think you have a, a veteran centric locker room, so it's being able to understand how to be able as a quarterback. How do you navigate all those relationships across the locker room? Defensive relationships with veterans, offensive relationships with veterans. You have veteran receivers, so now how do you mature and build those relationships across the locker room? Because even though you know people say you know it's the X's and O's, things of that nature in the National Football League, and I would say in any sport profession. It's the relationships that build that chemistry and that bond that allows you to play at a very, very high level, you know, uh, on Sundays, game in and game out. But it's the relationships that are forged through training camp, through OTAs, through minicamp, through some of the hardships of the season that really put your team in the best position to be successful at the end of the season. But it's all due to how do you treat your teammates? How do you love your teammates? How do you talk to your teammates? How do you spend time with your teammates? And that may seem, you know, very empathetic, but I would say the locker room is a very sacred place. And if you if you can't win the, the hearts and minds of that locker room, you're not going to be able to be successful. Yep. And I do, and I would say that Kyler Murray has ways to go in that regard. From what I have been told and what I have heard, it's that. It's the interpersonal that does not come natural to him. He's more of a stick to himself, get himself ready kind of guy. Whereas quarterbacks like Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, others, they're always working the room, going up to a guy, getting. He's not Chris Paul. He's not, right. That's, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So it's not saying, it's not saying Kyler Murray is necessarily a bad leader. But he's not a good one. 
Let me play one more from Christian Kirk here right. on the Rich Eisen Show. Talking about, this is a big topic from everybody over the last few years, Kyler's body language. Mm-hmm. When things are not going well, body language during games, body language in press conferences. They asked Christian Kirk about that. You know, I would say it's nonsense. Uh, you know, people can speculate and read into it uh, however they want. But, you know, I look at it as, as passion. You know, the kid's just passionate. And, you know, people show, show their passion in different ways. Uh, like I said, he he just wants to win, and so obviously when things go wrong, it's a little disappointing, um, you know. But it's it's good, you know, for me in my eyes, you know, to see somebody who cares uh, enough to show show passion and, and wants to turn things around and win the football game. Uh, that's how I see it. Sometimes I agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, you know, swearing up and down the field at their teammates and throwing iPads all mm-hmm. over the place. I know those guys have the rings to kind of back that kind right. of those actions up at times. Right. Jared, do you have, by, by the way, speaking of speaking of trying to read between the lines and get honest opinions, about, do you have the Jim Trotter uh, soundbite by any chance back in the system about Kyler Murray's leadership abilities? I, I don't know. Might, might be able to find it for later. How long show. ago was this from? Uh, it was probably about two or three weeks ago. Something from mid-February. Could that have been it? Yeah, that might that be could, it. Yeah, that could be it. Because that would have been maybe six, five weeks ago. Because Jim Trotter and Larry Fitzgerald are thick as thieves. Yes, they Jim are. Trotter, Kyler needs to do more connecting. Th- there you go. That, yeah. Because yeah. that's coming, that would be it. That's coming straight from Larry. What does Jim Trotter say about Kyle? The Kyle thing Kyle. that's interesting to me is I remember last season when he got off to that MVP start. And I started asking people in the organization, in the locker room, who is Kyler Murray? And some of them said to me, we don't know. He's a guy who kind of keeps to himself. He tries to lead by example. But we all know this about the quarterback position. In order to lead, people have to want to follow. And the way you get them to follow is that you connect with them. And one more on that. When we look at a guy like Joe Burrow, when we look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, they are beloved by their teammates. Teammates will follow them anywhere. With Kyler, some of his teammates and people in the organization still don't know who he is because his personality is not such that he reaches out in that way. And so what Mike said is absolutely true. This is something Kyler is going to have to work on going forward in terms of making all of his teammates feel like he is one with them and they are one with him. And Elvin Beecham's comments did yeah. pretty much echo that. Yeah, right. so so I think I think that, that Christian Kirk is basically sticking up a, for a guy that didn't get the money when he's a guy that did. And, that's and what again, it sounds like and, to me. And, and that's why I wanted to, to bring to play that because Yeah, that's smart. That was good. Right, because so Christian Kirk diffusing and not trying to make headlines on Rich Eisen, Jim Trotter echoing the sentiments of people in the locker room in a more honest way. And I can't say for sure, but Jim Trotter and Larry Fitzgerald, thick as thieves, they vacation together. Now, to counter that, though? But, 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 but. <laughs> what are you going to have? Which side are you going to take? I don't know. But, <laughs> but, all right, son's great. Tom Chambers will join us next. Tim Ring, Dan Bickley, Arizona Sports, 98.7 FM. Home of the Suns, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. Bickley and Murata mornings. The Suns run to the playoffs, presented by Canvas Annuity. Welcome back. Happy Friday, Valley sports fans. Dan Bickley, Tim Ring, filling in for Vinny. And our great pleasure to welcome in a true legend, the Suns. Tom Chambers joining us. TC, what's happening, man? 
Who called in sick where Jared had to do that deal right there? <laughs> Was that just disgusting? A- 84 I mean, people had to call in sick, Tom, to, for Jared to get that job. This is, this is like a King Ralph situation. <laughs> like, we're, doing, we're now doing the comedy hour during the, during the news update. Oh, right, yeah. And, 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 and then he sings a song, you know, and then he kind of gets serious because the sons are going to be serious. It had everything. It was it was all over. It was yeah, it was all over the map. Yeah, would, yeah. Well, that's, good. yeah that's him. Uh, all right. So I read somewhere that your points per game record for the Phoenix Suns is intact. Nobody is going to top. I believe you're twenty seven point two and eighty nine ninety. Is that right? It was something like that. Yeah, it was something <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, that was a good year for you, didn't you? You had a sixty point game that year. You had a couple of fifties, yeah. if I remember. Yeah, out of fifty six. Yeah, it was good. It was a good one. I I would I was was wondering about the you know most points in a season, and and I thought that'd be safe, obviously, because I you know I, I used to play most every game, but um, it was interesting. I saw that somebody sent it to me the other day saying he had to, Devin had to go like thirty three point seven per game to do it, and he didn't have a very good game last game. So everybody's like, "Hey, you're gonna be okay for one more you're year." You're safe. Like, yeah, Thanks. exactly. Yeah. Hey, Tom. Exactly. Mo- most guys say they don't care about that stuff, but they really do down deep. What, honestly, do you do you, do you care? Do you care? You care a little bit, right? You know, let me see. You can you can laugh or you can cry. I mean, either either way. And and Leander laughs so hard he calls it tra- a tractor tracks on my on my records every time one goes down. And it seems like it's weekly, you know. Yeah. All right. What? How big of a deal is this? What will it say for for this Suns team? And and it might happen tonight. It might not. But it will happen to set the franchise record for victories in a regular season. It's cool. I mean, they appreciate it. They they all do. They're doing something special, something that's never been done before here. I mean, they're doing stuff that's never been done before in the NBA. They could be the best, you know, road record ever in the history of the NBA. You know, if if they if they, you know, I I, I can't remember how many they have to win, but I'm sure that they will. I mean, this is just a special team. I mean, from top to bottom. I mean, they just they just continue to come at you in waves of people. Even when even when they're short on waves, they they, they come at you. CP 3s out. They they seem to be fine. Aiton's out. They seem to be fine. Book misses some games. They seem to be fine. This is just a real a special group of guys, and and they want to win every game. They really do. I do not believe they'll win every game. I mean, this Memphis team is really really good. This would, is going to be the biggest challenge, I believe. For them, for in you know, in, 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 for this last six games, but man, I'll tell you, they are they are good, and, and and they just expect to win. You know, TC, let me let me ask you about that Warriors game, both uh, from a, maybe a plus and minus standpoint. On the plus side, you know, Booker Booker had a just a miserable shooting night, and DeAndre Ayton had a case of the fumbles. But the, the good news is, Suns find a way, right? Chris Paul comes through in the clutch, and on a, on a on a night where maybe you you don't have your A game, you still find a way. to to get the W on the other side of the coin, and I want to get your thoughts on both the other side of the coin. Boy, boy the Warriors—they don't seem to fear the Suns at all. And I, I think looking forward to a potential playoff series coming up in a, in a month or so here. Boy, that that could be a dandy because I think the Warriors—they have that pedigree, they have that confidence. Draymond's already guaranteed a world championship. That that could that could be one to watch. That could be the Suns' biggest challenge in the postseason if they face that team down the line it could be and it could not be i mean the four games before that they played the suns they were brutal i mean they they looked like a g league team Uh, now certainly they they regrouped against the suns they played really hard they played really well draymond finally had a good game he'd been playing like crap 
and, and and they look good. They look respectable. They play the type of defense they're capable of playing, and they can really play tough defense. They can. That team is just so small, in my opinion. You know, they don't have any big people. Looney's the only one. If DeAndre is is is, I mean himself, and I don't think he was the other night either. Even though he had 16 rebounds, I mean he could have had 26. They were they were you know a plenty in that game because everybody was shooting bricks in that game. But <laughs> I, 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 you know, I I worry about Steph. I don't worry about Draymond. I I really don't. I mean he's going to bark and he's going to you know. And, and I've said it before. I mean you know why why kick the dog? You know why why start yakking? Why start chirping? Why? I mean this Suns team. You know they they never quit they never give up but but why 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 throw gasoline on that fire when when they're not playing well and, and that's what he does and, and and I think that you know because of him they had to play in the game because he is doing all of that chirping so um, they would they would uh, embrace a chance to play against the Warriors but you're right Tim that team can be really really good when Steph is out there playing well this Jordan Poole kid man he is he's an all star probably next year he is really really good. DA has made a lot of steps since midway through last season, particularly through the playoffs last year. But but what, as a fellow big man, it explains the just the sudden case of the drops or the fumbles, as as my partner here says? What 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 causes that to happen? I think it's just a focus thing. I mean, coming out with with, with you know being focused, being being. Um, um, ready to play every single night. Some nights, uh, and he's the only one really that I feel doesn't come out with that intensity every single night. And when he brings it, this team is is ridiculous how good they are. And in games like that, and you know, uh, you know, even against Joel, where I think he ended up playing really, really well, it's nice to have Javel there um, because it, and maybe Javel, you know, gets him going when he's out there on the court. I actually noticed on the bench the other day when when Javel was trying to get him fired up. You know, DA was just kind of looking away, and then he wasn't really paying attention to him. And so Javel stopped talking to him. So he's just got to, he's got to come with that focus. Javel's ready to do that with him. Bismack, you know, he's ready to do that as well. So there's guys there in place. But I don't think that uh, you know that DeAndre is going to have any more of those. I really don't. I, I think that for whatever reason they don't have a, a great big big you know in Golden State. He just played against what Embiid, yeah. Jokic. Um, yeah. I mean, he just played three uh, the best. Carl uh, uh, Anthony Towns, three of the best big men in the league, and then he got Kevin Looney, and he probably thought, okay, this is one where I could just kind of sleepwalk through it, and you can't do that in this league. Guys are too good. Hey, Tom, it's remarkable, really, what Mikel Bridges does night in and night out. First of all, the amount of minutes he's played, uh, the fact he never misses a game, his ability to guard really three, maybe even four positions on the court. Uh, just consider this a, a Mikel Bridges appreciation question as, as as you get a chance to you know, watch him each and every night, just to marvel at what he's done. And clearly, he, you know, I don't know, I don't know if he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year, but he should. He probably will. He certainly has an excellent chance. Uh, but your thoughts on that, and really the job he does each and every time he takes the floor. Uh, he's incredible. He really is. I mean, what he does on the defensive end every night, and, and you say three positions, he can guard five positions. If I was a big, I would not want him guarding me with those long <laughs> arms, you know, knocking the ball away from me. He stays in front of the fastest point guards 
that are the best players in the league. He guards every single one of them in every single possession. And that takes so much pressure off of Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker, where you have a guy like that that can do that. And then on the offensive end, if he sees that in the other night in Golden State, Devin's faltering a little bit. Chris Paul, you know, wasn't really, you know, uh, looking to score. I mean, he can score the basketball like crazy. But I've never seen, you know, if you think about it, defensive players in this league, ones that are known for their defense, they're really tough, they're really tenacious. You don't even know that they have teeth. You know, I mean, they don't smile. You know, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you look at you look at Mikel Bridges. He is out there happy running around and just, just, just in everybody's face with that big old smile, you know. And it's just I've never seen anybody like him. He's the most likable teammate. Uh, you know, these guys all say it that they've ever had in their entire uh, life. And, and he just he's just a joy to be around. It's so such a blessing for us and for that team that they locked him up for five years because he is he's a special talent, a special human being. And, uh, I mean, and this team has a bunch of good, really good guys. Cam Johnson, I mean, what a great human being he is um, and a great player, and it'll be nice to get him back out on the floor as well. Yeah, these are great points. Their chemistry is unlike anything I've seen. All right, last question for you, TC. There's a belief that there's going to be so much expectations on this team to finish the deal that the pressure is going to be much different than it was last year. As a guy that's played at the highest level, uh, how do guys, how will this team handle the pressure? Pressure of expectations. You know, I don't even know, Vic. I don't. I don't even know if they're expected to do anything. I mean, there's still people that think that that you know, if, if Golden State's together, they're going to lose, and if you know Denver rallies, they're going to lose, and if you know, I just don't see it. I mean, they're still trying to prove to this world that they belong. I mean, Devin Booker. I mean, goodness gracious, you don't think he's the front runner in the MVP race? It was always the best player on the best team was the MVP. Hello, right. Jokic is going to be the MVP, and they're going to be in. They're going to be in the play-in tournament. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, it's a joke. So they're still getting disrespected. Chris Paul, you know, still gets feels as though he's disrespected. This team plays with that edge, with that Mamba mentality, if you will. They've got chips on their shoulder. They want to prove to this world, and they haven't done anything yet. If you ask them, they really haven't. Even though they're going to have the best record in the history of the Suns franchise, maybe in the history of the NBA as far as road record, they haven't done anything until they win championship so I don't feel that the pressure's on them because they still feel as though they have something to prove and ex- their own personal expectations are just to do it so they're like hey we ain't got nothing done yet and, and I just love looking at it as uh, you know as such keep up the great work TC thanks so much for your time today man we appreciate it brother all right guys. thanks man thank you Suns legend Tom Chambers joining us coming up on the other side the fallout from Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. Was it really a mutual decision? We'll discuss that next. Tim Ring, Dan Bickley, Arizona Sports, 98.7 FM. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. We have a great relationship. I mean, uh, all the players who are there, are a few in here, every one of them's gotten cussed out. Uh, including him. So that's just part of me, you know. So uh, that, that's nothing new. But we have a great relationship. I mean, as soon as he retired, I think we text every week. Hey, where are you at? What are you doing? When are you going to play golf? Uh, when are you getting back down this way? And uh, so <laughs> people got it right. I mean, and uh, it couldn't be further from the truth. That the voice of former Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians, who suddenly moved upstairs, allowing Todd Bowles to take over the Buccaneers. 
which happened after Tom Brady unretired, which happened after Tom Brady spent a day with Bucks ownership watching a Manchester U game in London. What are your thoughts on everything that went down, Tim? Well, remember what we were just saying about Christian Kirk? Uh-huh. <laughs> the potential to... I mean, Bruce Arians famously said when he was here, talking to the media, said, oh, yeah, I laugh my ass off. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, one could make the case that Bruce Arians decided that I would step away at a time that would force the organization, given the timing, to promote Todd Bowles into mm-hmm. that role. Mm-hmm. Having said that, the optics reading the tea leaves lead me to believe that Tom Brady returning to the organization yeah. was the impetus for Bruce Arians leaving his role as head coach. I, I don't think there's any doubt. And it, it, that doesn't mean it has yeah. to be done with animosity. And I think I think it's what you're hearing from B.A. and what you're hearing in terms of appreciation for B.A., I think that's legit. I don't think they're lying. I don't think Tom Brady's being all that disingenuous when he thanks him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they won a Super Bowl they together. They won a Super Bowl uh, together. There, there has to be some mutual admiration. Yeah, there and, has to. And be. how can BA? How could anybody not admire Tom Brady? And the fact that Brady went there, they won right. a Super Bowl together. But again, you read all the tea leaves and you listen to some Boston media that are still wildly connected to Tom Brady. In fact, you know, one gentleman back in February said that before even Brady retired. He said, listen, he goes, I don't know if Brady's going to retire or not, but he'll never play another snap for Bruce Arians. Yeah, there's one. Bill Simmons last week or two weeks ago said, I don't think Bruce. This is after Brady returned. Mm -hmm. I don't think Bruce Arians is going to be the coach. And he just and and Simmons, it's on camera. Yeah, it was on a podcast. Simmons actually gloating tweeted it out (laughs) yesterday. All right. Saying, hey, listen, I, I will see if Arians is the coach in a month. The guy who broke Brady to Tampa, I believe, also broke, if you want to call it that, that Brady was trying to maybe angle a trade to the Miami Dolphins. Yes. So there's some credibility there with the source of that report. I, th- I th- Yes. So I, I think you're there's, absolutely there's right. A, so there's a lot going on there that Tom Brady was kind of giving it the whole, like, look, I want to come back, but listen— you know, this whole Arians relationship. And then you hear that, you know, B.A., whose work ethic was in question even when he was here in terms of hours at the facility. Right. You know, maybe wasn't around that much because of health and his right. age. That that Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady would spend, you know, burning the midnight candle, putting together a game plan. And then B.A. would ride in at the 11th hour with a red pen and cross everything out. No, we ain't doing that, baby. Not doing, doing that, baby. We ain't doing that, baby. We're doing things my well, way, baby. It. Yep, no way, baby. And, and and it would infuriate Brady, who's obviously meticulous. Yeah. when it comes to that stuff. Well, so, and so, clearly, clear, clearly, Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady have a really good thing going together. And there were times when BA wasn't there, whether he was getting treatment or whether he was away from the facility, he would come back and kind of negate a lot of the game planning that those two did together. 
So I think you're right. I think the Brady retirement was also came after he angled to be traded somewhere else, whether it was Miami or San Francisco. The fact that Miami kind of came up out of nowhere in the last couple of weeks leads me to believe, like you said, that might have been in the works with Tom because that makes a whole lot of sense with what Tom Brady's about, with his wife being a supermodel. It's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a culture kind of destination, if you will. So, so to me, that went down, and then the, owner, the owners of the Bucks sat down and pretty much said to Tom, okay, so what will it take to get you to play for us? And he probably laid down what he wanted. And, and I think that, I think that they're, they're handling it beautifully. I'll I'll say that much because what B.A. is doing by stepping away and giving the job to Todd Bowles, that might not be the only motive here, but it still remains a fact that there is nobody in the NFL, there is no head coach in the NFL who has done more for minority hires than B.A. And so this would be the latest to set up Todd Bowles to succeed rather than have him maybe be anointed after Tom Brady is gone and and all that. Now, again, I think, like you mentioned, people in Boston who know Tom Brady, they know what this is all about. The headline in the Boston Globe yesterday was, Brady chalks up another victory with B.A. moving upstairs. (laughs) We know what this is about. A lot of people uh, comparing him to LeBron James. Exactly. And, And it's just the way Tom Brady is. And I think at the end of last year, the way the Buccaneers struggled, the way the Antonio Brown thing went down, I think he felt that that whole ship had gotten a little bit loose. And I think he thought, you can't win Super Bowls this way, whether he's true or not. And so I think that's what led to all of this. And look, if B.A.'s happy and if B.A.'s content, it's all good. Uh, I just think it's par for the course for Tom Brady. It sounds to me a little bit like their personal relationship was probably fine. So that way, that's why when you get Brady thanking B.A. Right. on Instagram and gushing about him as a person, they're good. They're, dare I say, copacetic. <laughs> right? <laughs> that word again. And obviously the respect B.A. has for Brady, who, you know, who wouldn't respect Tom Brady? But mm-hmm. I think professionally, Tom Brady just wasn't going to, wasn't having it with yeah. B.A. And if you remember, guys, B.A., you can make the case as the greatest head coach in Cardinals history. But at the end, you know, listen, whether it be his age or his health, but B.A. at the end, you know, just wasn't working hard enough. And I, I think anybody that, you know, if they were honest about it, coming out of the Cardinals facility would probably admit that, you know, cutting corners, leaving early, coming in later. And I, I could probably venture a guess that was probably starting to happen again in Tampa. Yeah. And Tom Brady probably saw that. Maybe. That's yes. And, I, and, right. and it's like, you know what? That's that's not the like. Coming from Belichick and the way that Brady handles his work ethic, Brady was probably like, look, if I'm going to run it back, yeah. if I'm going to come back, I, I, I don't want to work with somebody who's doing it that way. We need somebody who's yeah. here yeah. and present. Yeah, that's. I think that's all very, very fair. So, so I think Todd Bowles has got a great chance to be successful, and I, I, I know the Byron Leftwich-Tom Brady thing is a real good connection. We'll see where it goes after that. It's quite... Never-ending drama in the National Football League. All right, coming up on the other side, 9 o'clock on a Friday. What does that mean, Jared? It means another Jared Carlin update. And 
Social, Social studies. studies. Coming up next, Dan Bickley, Tim Ring filling in for Vinny, Arizona Sports 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports, Sports Station.